available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by no one today because Ryan uh, got his second shot of his vaccine. Yay! Woohoo! Party time! Which means he feels like crap. Um, but still, get your vaccines, everybody, uh, even if it means that you get stuck with, like, uh, you know, a situation, hypothetically, where um, an annoying guy hosts a podcast by himself. Instead of uh, two annoying guys. Um, yeah, we're the podcast of champions. You want to know how to get a hold of us? I bet you do. I bet you do, you little sickos. Uh, email address, pack12podcast at gmail.com. That's probably the most common way of getting uh, getting a hold of us. Pedestrian, one might say. Uh, I, would, I would seek a more creative way. Uh, it's not too late to seek a newer world. Uh, you can call or text us, 424-532-0678. Uh, voicemail is uh, one of the highbrow ways of getting a hold of us. Uh, text messages, particularly if you're texting us from a flip phone, as I think one person does because we only get 160 characters at a time and it gets split over about 15 different text messages. Uh, that's fun. Do that. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast. At Pac12Podcast. I said that very clipped um, and abrupt like somebody from New England, um, you can tweet at us. Uh, when you tweet at us, you will uh, 97% of the time get a response from Ryan if there is a response made. Um, it, it's 50-50 whether you'll get a response, and if it comes, it's almost certainly from Ryan. If you want to tweet at me, David David Woods, I may or may not respond to you. It's capricious, but you have a much more uh, likely chance of getting a hold of me there. Uh, website is pack12podcast.com. Don't go there. It's useless if you actually have a podcasting app. Uh, don't be a sicko and listen on a website. Okay? Don't do it. Uh, Reddit, reddit.com backslash r backslash podcast of champions uh, or forward slash. I don't really know the difference because it's kind of angled. Is it, it kind of depends on which way you draw it, right? If you start from the top and go back, it's a backslash. If you start from the bottom and go forward, it's a forward slash. I, I don't really understand the distinction. Uh, but anyway, um, nobody goes there either. There's like 150 people um, apparently subscribed to it. Uh, there's a post about every three weeks. Um, I would say, you know, probably not. Uh, even if you're a completionist as far as the podcast of champions, I don't think it's necessary to go there. Um, and then we have uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, they change the branding. It's fine. Um, but that one, uh, we get five-star reviews. That's the only thing we get. Uh, we will not read it if it's under five-star reviews, but we will read it if it is five stars. So you can say whatever you want about us. You can insult us. You can, um, force us to sing songs, whatever. We will read it. Um, and we will obey your directions as much as our, uh, you know, limited skills will allow. Uh, we have six new reviews since last time, uh, because it's been a little bit since we last recorded. I'm going to read them now. 
First one is from SYB7 Five Stars. This is a uh, edited review. It was previously a, uh, it's fine review, and now it's an edit. It said, okay, you guys did it. The show has been better, and I have enjoyed it recently, even with Dave's singing. So pretty tremendous stuff there. Um, I would say it's more of a because of Dave's singing than an even with, but either way is fine. Uh, Live for Gains said uh, five stars. More effort has gone into this review than the host put into the show, and that's almost doubtlessly true. Uh, For a podcast that is frequently off-topic and generally uninformative, it sure is entertaining. David provides good takes, and Ryan is a pretty cool guy for a guy who gives off some strong boomer vibes. Go Devils. Wow. Uh, Calling somebody who's in the middle of Gen X a boomer. Um, I don't think Ryan's going to take too kindly to that, and it's very, very good that you're, uh, uh, you're just with me today. He'd be very upset. He's crying right now. Uh, five stars. Hazel, not Hazel, 1010. Just subscribe already. I went looking for a Pac-12 podcast. This was the first one I found. I guess the good thing is that I'm still listening to it years later. These guys are pretty chill, and they get me my football info. What more could I ask for? I will overlook the fact that they still sound like they are recording episode number two. I'm just messing with you, because that's probably how me and my friends would sound. It lends to the authenticity. But seriously, solid podcast. I'm always excited to see a new episode online. I did want to say that I rated you guys five stars. However, when the image came up saying that I rated the podcast, I would click it with my finger, and I think it changed the rating to two stars. So I just changed it back to five stars. I hope that doesn't count negatively against you guys, because I left it on five stars. Isn't that what should count? Also, this is my second attempt to write a review, but my iPhone selected all of my texts, and then when I clicked something, at deleted it all, and I did not give me an undo option. So besides my stupid iPhone trying to sabotage all of this, aren't iPhones the worst? Again, keep up the good work. Go Utes. See, we'll even read mundane, extremely boring logistics about you actually writing the review. We're fine with that as long as you post five stars. That's the only thing that matters. You could post, I don't know, pages from the dictionary and we would more than likely read it. All right. Next up, we have Essay in SLC. Five stars. Sportsing-ish podcast. I've had better. Perfect. We love it. This next one is uh, from William Walton III, five stars, and oh boy, we're in for a treat, everyone. A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. David Woods is the reason I work out. I have this fantasy where we start talking at the Pac-12 Media Day bar. We exchange a few pleasantries. He asks what I do. I say I love him in the Peristyle podcast. He laughs. I get my drink. Well, see ya, I say and walk away. I've got his attention now. How many guys voluntarily leave a conversation with David Woods? He touches his neck as he watches me leave. Later, as the night drags on and the coterie of gorgeous narcissists grows increasingly loose, he finds me on the balcony, my jockey polo collar undone, smoking a cigarette. Got a spare? he asks. What's in it for me? I say as I hand him one of my little white ladies. He smiles. Conversation with me, duh. I laugh. What's so funny? he protests. Nothing, nothing. It's just, don't you grow tired of Ryan Abraham's a successful USC football is a successful Pac-12 shtick? You get used to it, he says, lighting his cigarette and handing me back the lighter. What would you do if you weren't a podcaster, I ask. Teaching, I think. And if I was your student, what would I be learning? Prevent defense, he says quickly, looking up into my eyes before changing the subject. Where are you from? Tucson, I say. Wow. So, okay. So uh, among the list of things we will also read is, um, I would say this falls under the genre of erotic fiction. Um, we'll read it. Sure. Totally fine. Love it. Five-star review. 
Uh, finally, uh, from Death Cab Fan, uh, five-star review. The best I can say is the ads are getting better. Love it. Beautiful stuff. Uh, enjoyed the reviews. As always, leave us a bunch of five-star reviews. Okay. Ryan, uh, generously in the midst of his um, uh, feeling like flu, but not actually flu, uh, put some notes in this document. Otherwise, we'd be going straight to questions because God knows I don't remember anything. Um, so in terms of the commissioner search, Wilner had a fun story this week about um, how they might potentially split this into two jobs, which sounds insane and ri- ridiculous. So pretty much what we would expect from the Pac-12. Uh, one doing kind of the business side thing, one being the liaison with the ADs. Sure, sounds totally stupid. Great, good idea. Um, Gloria Navarez, who we talked about as a potential um, option, she signed a contract extension with the West Coast Conference. Um, the presidents are considering following the same model that found Larry Scott with a uh, strong emphasis on uh, executives from the sports business world, which, you know, great, let's do that again. I, I, again, I don't really know about what you look for in a commissioner. I probably wouldn't do the same thing again because uh, that didn't work very well. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll certainly see. Uh, there's been some news in the college football playoff uh, world where they're apparently strongly considering going up to 12 teams, which is, again, very stupid. Uh, we've talked about it at length. Um, Ryan disagrees, but um, that's generally a, a good reason to um, opt for the opposite. Um It's uh, essentially the idea is um, that they can get more teams in from different conferences. Um, But what it's going to end up looking like, depending on if you do auto bids or not, is probably the same sort of level of dominance from the teams that are recruiting at an insane clip um, and just more teams getting beaten up in the playoff. And then also continued the emphasis of the bowl games and you know, the Rose Bowl will feel even more like an also-ran bowl, which sucks. Um, and, like, is anyone really enjoying college football more in the, over the last four or five years than they were before the playoff? Because I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, look, the BCS was controversial and everything, but it was two games, and then the rest of the game— or it was one game, sorry. And then the rest of the games were still very meaningful. Um, the Rose Bowl has never felt this meaningless um, for— uh, the Pac-12 Big, Tw- Big Ten winners, um, and it will become increasingly so in a 12-team playoff. Um, I don't think there's really, uh, I don't know, college football's weird. Uh, determining this, like, true champion thing, I mean, fine, I guess. Do it with the 14 playoff, whatever. Do it with the BCS, I don't care. Uh, but once you're adding more teams, you're, you're just uh, further diluting it and... Um, and making it uh, just like other stuff, and it's annoying. Um, anyway, The Athletic had a story about it, um, about how the Pac-12 needs to um, uh, improve, uh, which focused a little bit on the playoff. But basically, there's a few points I agree with and one I strongly disagree with. Uh, one is that you have to admit that football is important, and I think that's been a pri- problem um, in the Pac-12, and it needs to be a priority with commissioner hire, but also just... Uh, ethos-wise at each of the universities. Uh, Number two is really, really important, which is sell recruits on the advantage of the West Coast. Um, This uh, has been a huge problem of late. You know, you've got a bunch of um, West Coast kids going to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, and not staying home, um, which is actually part of their number five, which is make the LA schools great again. If you're going to have California kids stay home, USC 
really needs to be good, but UCLA also needs to be pretty good um, because those are the hometown schools for many of these California kids that we are talking about who are leaving. Um, and then uh, the number three is the one I really disagree with, lead push to expand college football playoff. Um, Rick Neuheisel agrees with this idea. Um, so you generally can have a pretty good idea that it's a dumb idea. Um, and his quote was, I would offer to the new commissioner, you've got to either change the regular season or expand the playoffs. So we've got a champion in there every year. That will help keep West Coast kids home. See, I don't think like last year's Oregon team going to the playoff and just getting absolutely demolished by Alabama or whoever would have done much to keep West Coast kids home. Um, The problem is the, you know, USC hasn't had a playoff caliber team in, I don't know, 15 years. Um you know, obviously there wasn't a playoff then, but that caliber of team in, in 15 years or maybe 13. Um, and uh, UCLA has been a steaming pile of poo for like seven years. Um, so between those two, you're not going to keep California kids home as much. Um, and Cal and Stanford, I mean, also as California schools, Stanford's been on the downswing, but they recruit nationally. And Cal hasn't recruited well since the middle of the Jeff Tedford era. So you combine all of that, um, you've got to basically rely on Oregon and Washington recruiting out of their immediate area to actually lock down the West Coast, which isn't easy. Um, And they also are not like in that elite tier. You know, the Washington program that was even under Chris Peterson was still a far cry from the Don James program. And Oregon under Cristobal is still a far cry from what it was under Chip Kelly. Um, It's just the, the league lacks an elite team going to a 12-team playoff and getting just boat raced in the first round or the second round or whatever it is doesn't meaningfully change that. It really doesn't. You just got to have better teams. And you get better teams by, again, uh, it's, it's you know, Oregon, maybe you get a slightly better coach. Uh, Cristobal's a great recruiter. Maybe he's not a great coach. I think the jury's out on that. Washington, uh, maybe figure a way out of that Jimmy Lake situation and really hope he's very good very quickly. Uh, but it's really... USC, stop looking like a clown car. And UCLA, um, you know, stop uh, being such a dumpster fire that you're visible from space. Um, And then uh, his number four is Pac-12 TV rights should embrace the streaming market. I'm with that. Uh, I could go either way, though. Okay, um, so that's kind of the playoff bit. Uh, Ryan does have some spring game notes in here, which, um, but we'll read them because, you know, what else am I going to do? He'll beat me if I don't read his notes. Um, Arizona spring game uh, was this past weekend. Team Gronk beat Team Brewski 17-13. to And uh, thank you, Ryan, for including the score. I think everyone was very interested. Uh, there were 5,000 fans in attendance, which I think is the most um, incredible note here. Uh, what Jed Fish has done this offseason at Arizona is wild to me. Because I don't follow Jed Fish on Twitter. But I am seeing so much Jed Fish content out there. Just what he's doing with his alumni, just his weird little tweets. Um, like, just he's so active. Um, everything he's doing uh, is massively upping the profile of Arizona football, um, but also generating genuine excitement and interest around that program. He is like the textbook case for what you need to do if you're taking over a program that has cratered, which is just build excitement, build energy see what you can do, just like upping that, getting people interested again, and then see if it pays off in recruiting. Uh, they're not going to win a ton of games this year. Um, but 
uh, coming off whatever it is, a 12-game losing streak, um, they needed this. And uh, this is the absolute textbook case of winning the offseason. Um, it's not going to, you know, if he loses his ass the next four years, it's not going to matter one way or the other. But this is the kind of thing where if you build this kind of goodwill in your first offseason and continue it through the next few offseasons, you know, you're going to have fan support. You're going to have booster support. You're going to have alumni support longer than you will if you're a complete jerk the whole time. And that would be the, the Kevin Sumlin option. Um, and what happened to Kevin Sumlin? He got fired after three years. If Jed Fish keeps this up, there is almost no way he gets fired after three years unless he literally goes 0-36. Um, they will stick by a guy who's actually nailing the other parts of the job. It doesn't meaningfully change it in terms of, look, if, if you don't get it done in four or five years, you're gone. But it does allow you a little bit more wiggle room when you nail the soft stuff. And right now he is nailing the soft stuff. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, some notes from Ryan. Uh, there were 200, and fo 200 football alumni. Uh, they did a jump ball between the basketball coaches to determine possession. So they're doing like kind of fun stuff. Um, they did that. They did Gronk caught a pass, dropped 600 feet from a helicopter. If you saw the video, it was very dumb, very Gronk. But it was something that showed up on like major news outlets. Um, and then uh, Gronk's team won on a 40-yard TD trick play. Um, and Gronk got the touchdown scepter. The quarterback battles between Will Plummer and Gunnar Cruz. Uh, I liked Plummer a little bit um, early last year, and then I think he kind of faded a little bit. Um, but uh, he looked okay. They're co-leaders for the starting quarterback job, but they'll face additional competition in June when transfer Jordan McLeod officially arrives from South Florida. Uh, and then Washington State also had its spring game. The gray team beat the Crimson team 74-37. to Once again, thank you, Ryan, for the score. I think it's important. Um like U of A, water balloons were involved. Well, we didn't hear anything about water balloons the first one. So, uh, Ryan, maybe next time include that detail in the first note so it doesn't look like we're just, you know, making stuff up here. Uh, Jarrett Guarantano was picked by Justice Rogers. It looked like he might have hit his hand on a helmet on the follow-through. So that's no good. Uh, and that was all for Guarantano on the day. Cameron Cooper, Victor Gabalas, and Xavier Ward split the reps the rest of the way. There was no Max Borgi. Um... Ryan says there were there was a good defensive pass rush and open field tackles. Love to see it, don't we, folks? Um, Washington lost star edge rusher Zion Tupuella Fatui, uh, who suffered a torn Achilles that will force him to miss most, if not all, of next season. Uh, he led the nation in sacks per game in 2020, so that's a huge loss uh, for Washington's defense. Um, Going to be very, very tough to replace that. Um, Sean Dollars had a significant leg injury for Oregon. I don't know if we have a timetable on him yet. Um, so a lot going on. Um, Cal lost a key defensive lineman, Brett Johnson for the 2021 season following a car accident. So we hope he's okay. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, some, some key personnel changes, uh, for some teams. Um, and that's all we got. That's all the notes we have for right now. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, very quick. Um, it's basically just so I can like take a glass of water and, and stop talking for a second. And then we'll be back with you uh, with more fun questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome, everyone, back. I hope you enjoyed your break. Um, I spent it trying to download some voicemails um, because we got two. I'm going to start with our man, Perk, um, with uh, the following voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, I read an article probably about a month or so ago uh, in The Athletic with their college football staff. They were talking about the prevalence of these um, non-committable offers. Uh, and they were talking about how Nebraska offers like 340 kids for a recruiting their recruiting class in 2022. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts are on, on non-committable offers and, or if you guys uh, in your time covering the different teams if you guys have heard any thoughts on it from coaches or, or players, what they think about it. Um, and I was also wondering, do you think a school of USC or UCLA or I guess any of the big Pac-12 school stature um, would benefit by kind of bucking the trend and just offering a, a small or reasonable amount of kids and kind of letting them know that if we get it, if, if you get an offer from us, it's serious. It's not just a, a keeping up with the Joneses type of deal. Thanks, guys. All right, so a uh, good question from Perk about the un- or non-committable offers um, that a lot of schools do. Uh, the way it's done can vary. Um, I-, I think it started as like kind of a, um, uh, a way to for guys to be able to build hype about themselves, but also for the school to say we've got an offer into X, Y, or Z. And then it's turned into something where a lot of schools just literally offer anybody they're talking to. Um, and it's you know, it's, it's stupid. It doesn't, it makes the thing meaningless. Um, but it's what everyone does as far as schools that are trying to buck that trend. Um, Stanford, I think does it by necessity, but UCLA very much is doing that. Washington did it a little bit under Peterson. I don't know how much they do it under Lake. Um, and I don't know that there's been much benefit from it. Uh, to be honest, UCLA isn't recruiting much better than uh, they're recruiting worse than they ever have. Uh, largely. Um, so yeah, building that exclusivity, bucking the trend. I don't, I don't know if it's had the impact, um, that UCLA would have hoped, um, in terms of identifying, identifying guys who, you know, kind of, um, don't want to get their butts kissed, kissed quite as much. Um, so I, it's, it's dumb. You would hope that there would be some regulation of it such that like guys would be able to just accept an offer when it, um, theoretically comes in. Um, but I think both sides, the players and the coaches, um, have a pretty good understanding of what is and what is not a really committable offer. So, um, you know, all things considered, I think it's, uh, it's, it's okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's still just kind of a little bit stupid from, um, from a, uh, you know, what does a word mean standpoint? All right, uh, we have another voicemail. This one is from Evan in Tempe. Uh, he has a question for it, and I will play it now. What's up, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Uh, just had a question about something I've been hearing a lot lately. Heard a little bit on this pod, too. And it's this big uh, progression that people are saying UCLA made last year and how they're on some big trajectory. And I just personally don't really know what that means because, you know, they were – they're pretty bad last year, uh, you know, three and four uh, against a very easy schedule. Um, you know, in one of those losses, including, you know, one of the biggest chokes of the college football season last year by any team against USC. And so 
I just kind of didn't really see that progression. Just want to know what you guys think. I'm not trying to take any shots from anybody's team. I hope it doesn't come across uh, like that. Because, I mean, you guys know, I mean, I'm a USC and ASU fan. So, USC, I have my bragging rights over UCLA. But with ASU, I mean, UCLA beat ASU last year in Tempe. And the year before, they beat us, too. So, I, I hope it doesn't come across as me attacking anybody's team. That's just something I've been hearing a lot when it comes to the Pac-12, that UCLA made this big development last year, and they got so much better. But I guess 4-8 and eight to 3-4 and four is better, but, I mean, going from terrible to awful isn't necessarily the biggest upgrade. So just kind of want to know what exactly you guys think about that, people talking about that big development, you know, maybe explain what that means if you guys kind of help out. So thank you, guys. Peace. Yeah, it's a good question, Evan. Um, so the record definitely would not indicate that improvement, um, but you got to look a little bit deeper. So advanced stats will tell you that uh, UCLA's offense and defense were both much, much, much improved. I don't think they were quite yet at the level of, like, good, um, but they might have been above average as a team. Um, it was um, significant improvement. And if you look at the four games they lost, it was a combined 15 points by which they lost. Um so it was more of an eye test thing. They looked a lot better, um, and then an advanced stats thing than the record itself. Um, you know, whether you win or lose a close game can be a little bit chancy. Um, you know, it's it's a matter of whether the ball bounced your way on a particular turnover, or on a fumble, you know, that sort of thing. Whether the number of times um, you know you you had balls tipped um, translated to more interceptions than usual the lucky things that don't really, you can't really control. Um, now, obviously UCLA wasn't great because if they were great, they wouldn't have had as many close games, uh, but they were clearly better because they weren't getting blown out. Um, they were losing close games. Um, and so the, the reason for optimism uh, at UCLA is that they played a bunch of close games. They clearly took a leap from the previous year. Um, and so the expectation or the hope is that they will make another leap this year and actually turn those uh, close losses into more close wins or potentially even, um, you know, 10 point, 14 point wins. Um, I don't know if I entirely buy it, uh, but that's the theory. And certainly, I mean, I think if you look a little bit closer than just the record, you'll see the obvious improvements they've made. Dorian Thompson Robinson was a much better player. The defense was actually usable rather than being a, just a complete disaster um, because of a scheme change where they were uh, much more aggressive from the second level, um, brought some more pressure, and that burned them a little bit at the end of the year. I think the defense still has to figure some things out um, to essentially be able to play their base look a little bit more um, because if they blitz like that um, all year, then you're going to see uh, teams take advantage of it. It'll be a you know potentially a little bit like for an ASU example, what happened to Todd Graham in his later years? Um, quarterbacks are too good. Offenses are too good. And if you just kind of one note in what you throw out there, um, it can eventually burn you pretty bad. And then you stop being successful, actually, at even getting to the quarterback, which is what you decided to do when you were getting very aggressive. So, um, yeah, long story short, uh, certainly improvement. Um, I think it's, you know, still you want to tap the brakes on suddenly being a Pac-12 title contender this year. Um, okay, so that's the two voicemails. And then we also have a certain number of emails. Uh, Derek has actually given us a new Arizona drop, the Tame Kitty drop. Derek, sorry, we didn't see this last week because it went to our promotions folder. Uh, but we will definitely play it once Ryan gets back and he can add it to our soundboard. Uh, Hithliday. 
has an email. It's a long one. We love long emails from Hithliday, don't we, folks? Um, it is uh, sui generis, which is unique uh, in a language, probably Latin. Last week, the NCAA Division I Council adopted a measure to grant a one-time immediate eligibility transfer to all players, and it's expected to be ratified by the NCAA Board of Directors at the end of the month. You boys didn't discuss it in the previous podcast, an auto-mission considering that Washington has now blocked the eligibility of two quarterbacks who transferred to UCLA, and as Ryan noted, practically half of USC starters will be transfers to make up for their 2020 class. Some writers have speculated, is that really shocking that we didn't discuss it? Like, we have the memory of goldfish. Like, it happened at least an hour before we recorded, so we're not going to remember to talk about it. Anyway, some writers have speculated that this will lead to the rich getting richer and assembling super teams. I have a few predictions on how this will play out, and I'm interested in your take on each one. One, as you discussed when answering a different question, far and away the biggest impact of the transfer market is quarterbacks, and I think we'll see a lot of fluidity at the position. There's something that seems to be unique about quarterbacks that, such that a very talented guy can simply not fit in with a certain staff, culture, scheme, etc., but thrive on a different squad. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and, um, you know, I think uh, quarterbacks were already before the portal and before this one-time transfer rule, uh, before this one-time transfer rule, uh, much more likely to transfer out if they didn't win a starting job. And I think this makes it easier to find a fit um, and easier to find an immediate fit. So I think it'll be a huge impact on them. Two, for every other position in football, however, I think the impact will be minimal. As Ryan said, most guys in the portal are in it for a reason. Whatever it is about quarterbacks that allows them to transfer and have totally different results doesn't seem to apply to anybody else in the game. They moved on simply because they weren't able to win a job over the guys ahead of them, and that general aptitude still pertains no matter where they go. Yeah, I think I buy it to an extent. Maybe there's another position or two where I could see transfers being a little bit more successful, but nothing as unique as um, quarterback. Um, you know, I think uh, you could maybe see it at like, I don't know, middle linebacker, something else that thrives on um, intelligence, something that thrives on like being able to, to diagnose and read and do certain things. Like it might, you might be helped by switching to a different type of defense, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about maybe certain offensive linemen, but then it's just, I don't know. You're getting a little, uh, far afield at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, it's much more likely that it'll have a positive impact on quarterbacks than anybody else. And also I think the larger point that if you're unsuccessful in a program and you're like a receiver or a cornerback, um, are the differences between that program and another one going to be so meaningful? Because often what I would find is it's like the same psychology that forces people to like, Oh, I need to go find a new job or move to a new city because it's just not working for me here. Um, it's not working for you there because of something in you, not because of something in the team or the, or the program or the coach or the city or the, you know, whatever it is, or the job you're in, if you're in, you know, your life, it's, you know, it's something that you need to figure out for yourself. Um, now, can that be on an individual basis found by going and finding a new situation with the right motivation and the right motivators um, among your coaches and whatnot? Sure. These are young kids who might figure it out, but I would say by and large, those are the kids who maybe don't self-motivate as easily um, because even within a program that's very organized and very structured, the the players who do the best and basically any sport are the ones who are extremely, extremely self-motivated. Anybody who's really good enough to play division one sports they're self-motivated at a greater extent than most people, but you've got to be among that elite tier if you're going to make an impact on a uh, you know an FBS team. And uh, um, 
I think for the guys who end up transferring out, they're just, you know, I would say that's a little bit of, of on them as individuals in terms of their, you know, self motivation, the self, um, you know, actualization, whatever you want to call it. Um, all right. Three, where I do think this will help everybody and generally be democratizing is leveling out roster peaks and Valley and, uh, writing class imbalances. A great player who's behind multiple elite ones suddenly becomes very, very valuable, very valuable to another team with a hole at his position. The most glaring problem I see with the majority of Pac-12 coaches when I make when I make heat maps of their squads is what lousy roster managers they are. With too much talent, they play at one spot while being forced into playing walk-ons and jags at another. Immediate eligibility transfers could be huge for the Pac-12 by letting them correct their signing day mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it does, I mean, there will be, I would hope there would actually be a leveling out uh, this might actually serve as a leveling out for the general imbalances across uh, college football. Um, while Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia may take advantage of the transfer portal to some extent, I still think they're going to build their teams largely out of um, five-star high school players and that sort of thing um, and try to develop them within the program. Because, that, I mean, for Alabama, that's a lot of what they're built on. Like some of those dudes who are absolute dudes don't really play a ton until they're you know, late sophomore, or early junior year. So maybe what it'll serve as is the guys who are third string on that depth chart at Alabama after two years. And they're just like, I don't know when I'm going to play again. They get out of there and they go back West. You know, the guys who were originally from the West coast. I mean, UCLA is an example this season of, uh, Ale Cajo, uh, who's coming in and potentially going to start at middle linebacker, um, who was an Alabama guy. Uh, so maybe it'll actually serve to level out some of those recruiting imbalances um, and have some of those guys go uh, fill in spots in other areas. And Pac-12 could be a huge beneficiary uh, because so many of the teams need immediate impact help because of the recruiting deficiencies. Uh, you know, UCLA needs some immediate impact help at like a position like middle linebacker, a high profile position. Uh, USC this offseason uh, needed a lot of immediate help, and so they got a lot of transfers. Um, you, I, I think you could see that a lot in the Pac-12, and hopefully what what that will do is to serve to even out some of the uh, the structural differences between these leagues and their, uh, their you know, juggernaut programs. All right, um, we've got one from Thomas. Uh, Domino Theory. Hi, guys. I was walking through the streets of Chinatown a couple weekends ago. As the sound of firecrackers from a nearby lion dance performance reverberated on the street, I had an epiphany. The Pac-12 strong showing in March Madness is affecting the conference's search for its next commissioner. This is undoubtedly going to garner some suspicion by you and most listeners. Rest assured, though, I am not trying to burnish my ironclad reputation of riding into the podcast with contrarians psychobabble here. Here's what I'm thinking. The new commissioner is not going to have much time before negotiations pick up for the Pac-12's new TV deal. My prediction is that the sticking point of any new agreement is going to be how many games, if any, the conference allows to be shown on ESPN+. We have seen the network slowly but surely require other conferences to allow the practice as they have been signing new broadcasting agreements. The Pac-12 already has games on a major streaming service. It just happens to be available only in the People's Republic of China using their version of Google, Alibaba. John Wilner has indicated that not all of the university presidents are on the same page regarding the commissioner hire, potentially because they have competing visions of the future of higher education in general. Some schools in the conference are very dependent on foreign students from China to provide much-needed revenue, others not so much. 
The Alibaba deal does not include football because my understanding is that basketball is far more popular in China and many other foreign countries. In other words, the new commissioner's challenge isn't getting the most amount of money possible from a new TV deal, especially for football. Instead, it's about getting the most amount of money from a new deal that doesn't undercut the school's existing income from both the Alibaba deal and tuition paid by foreign students. One popular option going forward would be to simply dismantle the Pac-12 network and hand its inventory over to an established channel like, say, ESPN. But you then would sacrifice the network's guaranteed subscriber fee revenue, however small, that comes from being on cable. The more successful the Pac-12 is in basketball, however, the more its games are worth compared to football, and thus increases the asking price for them. Faced with such trade-offs, my bet is that in true Pac-12 fashion, the presidents will opt to double down on their strategy with Alibaba, and thus continue to let college football flicker into the background, fearful that pulling back their presidents in Asia would cause more dominoes to fall later. Not that anyone, including Dave, cares, but my recommendation to the new commissioner for solving this dilemma is, one, sign a deal with ESPN similar to the SEC for a standalone game of the week that ESPN gets first dibs on, but offer the other matchups exclusively to Fox. Two, rather than have a dedicated channel, channel, syndicate the Pac-12 network's programming to local stations. This is akin to what NPR does with local radio affiliates, for example. Yes, I know this might seem a little much to digest at first. Dave, I'm sure, has been rolling his eyes for a while, no doubt. But hey, what else is there to do while you are waiting for Muni to arrive to take me to the Golden Gate Bridge and send another email, right? Keep up the indomitable work, Thomas. Well, certainly a lengthy email, Thomas. I appreciate you um, giving me uh, something to do on this solo show. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think building... Well, I think if they're thinking that way, uh, it's pretty stupid. Um, because I don't think anything is going to be affecting enrollment um, from Asia uh, with respect to U- UCLA... Or not UCLA, the Pac-12's TV deals. Um I don't think that's going to affect things one way or another. So I don't think that's going to be a meaningful consideration for when they're hiring a commissioner. The Alibaba deal, maybe. um, But again, I I think that's going to pale in comparison to uh, what they could potentially get with a, um, you know, stateside uh, TV deal focused on football. Uh, Basketball just simply isn't that big of a driver, even if you count um, whatever, I don't know, potential uh, revenue they could get in China from it. Um, So... It's just, I, I don't, if they are thinking that way, they're, they're being um, foolish. Uh, they need to prioritize football, but I think they can get creative within that scope. Um, as I've talked about, um, and I think a bunch of people have, uh, being the first, you know, major um, uh, college league or American league to um, go streaming, um, to build that, you might be able to get paid a premium for it. Um, and the access will be a great deal, uh, well, be a great, uh, quite a bit bigger than, uh, what it is currently with the PAC 12 network. Um, because they've done this PAC 12 network stupidity for so long, people are trained not to be able to watch these games. Um, so anything would be an improvement over that. So they're starting from like a basement position. So the number of people in the footprint who have Amazon or Netflix or Apple TV or whatever, probably beats the number of people who have the Pac-12 network, right? Um, so if they can get some sort of, um, you know, sweetheart deal for being the first and then um, actually increase access to the games, um, yeah, there'll be logistical issues. There's going to be technology issues because they'll be the first for a lot of these uh, organizations. But um, I don't know. My confidence in Amazon's ability to pull that off is quite a bit bigger than my confidence in, you know, what the Pac-12 network was trying to do. 
Um, okay, so that's Thomas. Um, and then we've got one from Phil, and this is the last one for the day. Uh, he uh, is being very funny with his uh, Lorem Ipsum Dolor Sit Amet, which anybody who's ever done journalism or uh, graphic design knows that's filler text um, in Latin. Uh, hey guys, what do you think are the chances of one or more of these happening over the next few years? Uh, new commissioner moves the Pac-12 Studios headquarters to Vegas and becomes financially successful. Ooh, they should. Um, I think Vegas makes uh, the most sense as kind of a central hub for um, everybody, and nobody hates traveling to Vegas. Um, so, makes sense to me, uh, especially also getting out of the expense of the SF area. So if it makes sense, uh, they probably won't do it. Uh, Pac-12 wins a football and or basketball tourney um, next few years. Yeah, what the hell? Why not? Uh, basketball, sure. You know, UCLA is going to be pretty good now going forward. USC has a chance. They're always reloading with new uh, dads of players. Uh, Arizona under Tommy Lloyd, they might be pretty good. Uh, Oregon. Dana Altman reloads with a bunch of transfers every year and looks pretty good. So, yeah, what the hell? Why not? Uh, Pac-12 network completely shuttering. The Pac-12 becomes a group of five, six conference and wallowing into obscurity. No chance it ever happens. Uh, thanks for the sometimes informative yet always entertaining podcast. Um, and when I say no chance it ever happens, the Pac-12 network may very well shutter. The Pac-12 is never going to become a group of five conference. Just not going to happen. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, well, that's it. That was quick as hell. Um, we didn't have a lot of questions. Um, it was just me talking. So what are you going to do? Uh, we, how does Ryan end this? We love you. Is that, do we do that? No? Are we uncomfortable with that? Okay. Well, uh, not for Ryan Abraham. I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. He is from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. We are the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you again next time.